Okay, so let's get started. I'd like to begin with a quote from Antonio R. Damasio from University of Iowa. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, okay, Bryce? but I am doing nothing to divert from what his meaning was. He said, we believe as humans that we are thinking machines, that we have come to believe that, but in fact, we are feeling machines that think. And because our brains are actually emotionally developed and emotions require sustainability through relationships and communication, then that is very fitting for what it is that we seek as humans, as a species that want to be interconnected, that want to collaborate, that want to innovate together. And when we put our hearts and our heads together, which is essentially one and the same, then we have in our hands all the power and tools we need, all the power tools to completely advance our human brain development. Uh, is there something you'd like to say? Or do you have a question for me? <laughs> so I see a question on your face. Yes. So, yes. My, my most interesting question here is, how did you uh, get into learn, trying to figure out all about the brain? That's a very good question. So you're asking me to reveal myself here. Okay. Well, human emotional brain development does require us to be a little bit vulnerable, at least, in order for us to develop trust and the proper emotional cognitive development we need to connect to one another and to advance our human brain potential. So I will take you back in history a little bit. Uh, 30 years or so. <laughs> I don't need, I don't think we need to put the numbers in okay. here. I know it's all about math, but we don't need those numbers. Okay. Yes. The math of emotional cognition is something that will come up in our discussions as time goes along in these podcasts. To make a long story short, I had eventually after many endeavors of work and going about diversifying my work potential and my skills over the years, I found myself back in early education. And one of the things that I'd learned when I was recertifying for early education, at that time, one of the national organizations promoting early education had put into compliance the number one technique for all early educators to use in all communication skills and for all early cognitive development functions. And as we think about the particular three to five year old stage, which has been entirely, almost entirely neglected by the neuroscience community, when we consider that this stage is indeed the foundation for everything, then we have to really consider what that means. <laughs> We really have to define. If everything means everything, then that stage holds all the clues and keys and secrets to full human brain potential. So at that stage in life, children are still learning things very intuitively. And we acquire language intuitively. And this is the foundation for everything. And when you put the twos and twos together, when you consider that we acquire language intuitively, that our ultimate 
full potential is based on intuitive intelligence and that we use language for everything, when you put those twos and twos together, you have to consider the validity and the very deep significance of the particular technique, which they have since dropped out of compliance. And that technique is, in fact, non-negated constructive instructions. In other words, the actual direction from the early education associations at that time was to omit the words no, not, don't, can't, and shouldn't. And in fact, for us to intuitively acquire language that was filled with what we could say is a can-do mindset because it's without negation. So we need to learn language intuitively that is actually encoded with all of the semantics and mechanics of what we are capable of doing. The brain is designed for ability. So we want to fully augment that and we want to completely foster that. And I felt that it would have been really helpful or would have really behooved neuroscience and the educational community, especially for educational reform, to really put the power into that foundation for everything so that early educators are really preparing children for elementary school and high school rather than children arrive at elementary school and high school and for teachers to have to remedially restore what should be already intuitively encoded, the capability of learning for a lifetime, rather than have to spend all their time putting out the fires of counter-intuitive intelligence. Does that answer your question? Well, it answers my question about a small little portion of how you got here, but then what, how else did you try to figure out how, what this was all about? how the brain worked. Well, uh, once I put those twos and twos together, it just led to a literal or virtual path I could literally see before my eyes or my invisible eyes even. That Were there books that you looked at? Um, there, I really researched and searched and I asked the professors if it was anything about intuitive intelligence development or language development or where was the book indeed that actually explained the significance of this non-negated format uh, for teachers to master, for early education teachers to master so that they can actually implement it for all communication techniques, for every cognitive function. And she said that there was nothing. The professor that I asked said there was nothing and it was something that just had to be done. But once I learned more and more and more about diversification and how it was based originally on the intuitive development of the fundamental principles of math that are the definition for every field of knowledge, that was when putting the twos and twos together just took off. I just literally saw, I, I had an image in my mind and before my eyes of this endless path of infinite knowledge potential just laying out before me that 
was literally a pathway that needed to be trailblazed in implementing the highest forms of intuitive intelligence, but within the early stages of intuitive language development, consistent or commensurate with this understanding of potential knowledge of the brain's hardwired processes for compassion and optimism or um, optimism meaning optimal intelligence development. I think I'll stop there before I... (laughs) I ruined. Okay. I ruin it. I ruin everything I say because we want to keep it optimal. So, does that answer your question, or do you want me to add something else to that? <laughs> You're laughing at me. You've I'm, known me for I'm at least twenty <laughs> twenty of these years, so you've had uh, the non option of having to listen to all of this and help me edit these four books that we've put together to explain all of these facets and tenets and features and traits of full brain potential and uh it seems such an easy little fix believe it or not to just remove those words how is it that the cdc dropped this mandate cda let's oh sorry the CDC. The c- uh, wrong one. Wait, that, it's <laughs> typical, you know. Beginning this one, this hopefully wonderful podcast in the middle of our pandemic. Exactly. Still, we've heard CDC all over the place. The, CD, the CDA. The CDA and other early education <laughs> associations. How is it that they that ended up uh, dropping this mandate because of noncompliance? Well, you just answered your own question there, actually. There was widespread noncompliance. In fact, you may remember... When I first met you, uh, which we met accidentally, which was a wonderful serendipitous occasion, uh, I had been at that time doing some continuing education slash professional development for early educators, and it was better known at that time. There was uh, some awareness about what people were calling positive language but because it was being poorly defined and poorly laid out, uh, teachers had a hard time complying with it. You know, everybody's intuitive language development was already based on the instruction that we had received all of our life for discipline and learning and manners and respect and don't do that, you can't do that instead of really giving children proper instructions about stop doing that, this is what you can do, this is how this is done, let me see you do it with your own hands. And of course our first book, which covers what we call cognitively correct language instructions, gives a demonstration of that, and we hope uh, a platform by which parents of young children and early educators can create and recreate and innovate uh, language continuously based on natural knowledge, where all knowledge comes from, and that they would be able to comply with their own unique creative control and skills and knowledge of diversification, how it really works in early education, and they would be able to master and really foster 
this skill and create a whole atmosphere for real lifetime learning for children's potentialities and for all of both for our common human potentialities and for children's unique skills. And I hope that that answers a little bit more. Do you want to add something or add another question? Did, uh, did you have access to this non-negation when you were growing up? Um, did I have access to it? I, I think I was left somewhat free to do a lot of exploration on my own as a child. And so rather than hear incessant negations, I probably, to some degree, just did my own free exploration. I will admit, though, that when I was on my own or alone, I had somehow discovered my own ultimate intended skill, which was eventually to write. When I was on my own and I was alone as a child, I would look for scrap pieces of paper. And this was before I knew how to write, but I would look for scrap pieces of paper and a pen or a pencil or a crayon, and I would pretend that I knew how to write. And I would just scribble on the paper like I knew how to write in script and sign my name, which I also was unable to write. But I found a lot of joy in being able to, I guess you could say, journal what was being revealed to me as my ultimate passion. And I think that when parents and teachers can observe what children most are gravitating toward, there's a great ability to really allow our own adult imaginations to move forward with what we see children do. So I think ultimately what I'm saying is that at that point of my path, when I could see what was unfolding before me, I saw exactly how early development, early intuitive language development and free exploration was the platform and the foundation for implementing all of the algorithms and configurations for the ultimate full potential of human brain development, which is one and the same as intuitive intelligence development. So intuitive intelligence, basically, if we're fast forwarding into our podcast, and we will talk more about this later on, but intuitive intelligence is attached to everything. So as I said, putting the twos and twos together, we learn language intuitively and intuitive intelligence is pertinent to everything as opposed to just being some kind of psychic skill or spiritual quotient of intelligence. It's all of those things. It's our intellectual intelligence. It's our willful, volitional, decision-making quotient of intelligence. It's our emotional intelligence. It's all of the intelligence quotients and our sensory skills, which are both visible and invisible, they're multidimensional, they all have to be fostered in early development and they have to be promoted and augmented with language development that has that kind of very much can-do sentiment in 
And if children learn that intuitively as they learn knowledge acquisition, rather than being impinged with the negations that freeze them or immobilize them in their tracks, we keep children on a constant flow of mobilization where they're using their abilities. We may tell them to stop for a moment, take a breath, but we want to omit the negations or the ideas that something is representing an inability. We want to promote ability. We want to have children maybe stop for a moment and take a breath and retract their steps with the knowledge of our experience where we say, okay, you know what? This is what you can do. And those types of semantics are the things that need to be in our intuitive language development so that they are in our mind as we proceed throughout life for lifetime learning. Because part of lifetime learning means communicating with other people and learning what they have. But it also means allowing our intuition to teach us ourselves what we already know based on our experience and what we are able to access and acquire from invisible knowledge prospects that, so that we are also teaching ourselves. Because teaching can never be something that we only learn from other people. It has to be an ability where we are able to also teach ourselves. And that's what intuition and the increments of intuitive intelligence can help us with. This is where we become creative and innovative, and then we share our knowledge with others. And that is on a continuous cycle, a never-ending cycle that is also commensurate with unlimited knowledge potential. I think I'll end there for the moment, unless you have something else you want to say. Does, well, my other question is, does a negated verb do manifest physical issues? Well, we can get into uh, all kinds of semantics and technicalities I think the best way to explain that is that if we look at language itself, if we're talking about the mechanics of intuition and that we learn language intuitively and that it is the main platform for intuitive intelligence development, we have to consider that in any language, the verb is the main part of speech. This is the part that gives us the most information and instructions for what we're feeling so that we can promote our abilities. Because all of our abilities are based in our emotional intelligence development. Seeds of emotionality promote our abilities. So if verbs are the main part of speech in any language and we negate them, why would we negate the value of a word in a sentence that gives us the most information and instruction for what we intend to do, what we desire to do, what we want to do, what we are capable of doing. So we need to have an algorithm of ability, which if we define verbs properly, is the action. We need to always have our actionizing potential switched on 100%. And that includes both the information of things that we've learned through our senses, our sensory tools, 
and the information of emotions. Because when it comes down to it, emotions really, if they're defined properly, are information processors. And when we synthesize that with the treatment that we get of emotional, mature emotional cognitive development and the brain's hardwired system of compassion and optimism, or what we have come to call our cocktail code. The brain loves a cocktail. We will talk about that in our next podcast session. But for now, we will say that that synthesis gives us the intuitive inclination to always go forth in what we can do, what we are able to do, regardless of what emotion we're feeling. Our abilities are always up and ready to do something. And we, our abilities are designed for constructive knowledge development and continual constructive actionizing that is consistent with our ability to be compassionate and optimal in everything that we know and everything that we are about to know through our own intuitions. And I think that's enough from me today. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that is a very good introduction to uh, part one of uh, two-part introduction of our gut brain intuitive intelligence diversification platform so if anyone is interested in uh writing us a question or comment uh you can send it to gotbrainpodcast at gmail.com and this is us signing off for now signing off thank Thank you everybody bye that Okay, so let's get started. I'd like to begin with a quote from a man named Antonio R. Damasio from University of Iowa. And I am paraphrasing when I say that. Okay, so let's get started. I'd like to begin with a quote from a man named Antonio R. Damasio from University of Iowa. And I am paraphrasing when I say that, okay, so let's get started. I'd like to begin with a quote from a man named Antonio R. Damasio from University of Iowa. And I am paraphrasing when I say that, okay, so let's get started. I'd like to begin with a quote from a man named Antonio R. Damasio from University of Iowa. And I am paraphrasing when I say that, 